This is Jerry Nowicki of Capital News, Illinois, and today I'm speaking with Secretary of State candidate David Moore, a Chicago alderman who is looking to replace retiring Secretary Jesse White. It's the first of three interviews with Democratic candidates for Secretary of State that I'll publish in the coming days, while Peter Hancock is covering the GOP race. You can follow along on this podcast app and on CapitalNewsIllinois.com. You're listening to the latest edition of CapitalCast. David Moore has been a member of the Chicago City Council since 2015, a member of the council's Progressive Caucus. He counts several clergy members as his biggest backers, including the Reverend Jesse Jackson, while he's also received the backing of Congressman Danny Davis and a number of other local elected officials. He's spent time in the private sector as well, having received a degree in accounting and operations management. He's behind other candidates like Alexi Janulius and Anna Valencia when it comes to big-name endorsements and fundraising, but he's embraced the role of underdog in an advertising effort, highlighting his upbringing in Chicago's Robert Taylor Holmes public housing project and his business and public service success that followed. I met Moore near the airport in Springfield, that's Abraham Lincoln Capital Airport, on Friday, June 17th, as he was doing a fly-around of the state ahead of the June 28th primary. He was on a private jet, which he said will be logged as an in-kind contribution to his campaign. In our conversation, you'll hear about his plans for digital license plates, youth outreach, and more. As I'm doing with all of the candidates, I started off with a basic question about the Secretary of State's office, which has a budget of about $600 million. Uh, Thanks for taking the time here. No, it's my honor. Thank you. I'm I'm, glad you came out sometimes. Um, you know, it's hard to get reporters to come out if you don't have all the money. <laughs> right. So, I wonder. Let's let's start. Let's just start with a basic question, and that's okay. what does the Secretary of State do? The Secretary of State is a customer-driven operation. That's the main thing. It's twenty different departments within the Secretary of State's office. Most people only know it about know about driver services. But the Secretary of State is also the state librarian. Um, just a few months ago, I went to Galesburg and helped them break ground on a new library in which they had some got some grant front funds from um, to build a new library there, which can help change the face of a community. The Secretary of State is always also handles business services. If you're a corporation you're, and you're about to start your business to get your incorporation papers going, you have to go through the Secretary of State's office. Also, um, a lot of people don't know uh, that's the business service side. This, when we talk about the capital complex, who manages and maintains and secures um, that capital complex? It's the Secretary of State. When we're talking about securities fraud, who's protecting us um, in terms of that? The Secretary of State. And also registering lobbyists, making sure that lobbyists are, are, are not committing um, any crimes and making sure that they are um, staying ethical. Secretary of State. And so it's a myriad of um, 20 different departments that serve the people of Illinois. Okay, so most people know the Secretary of State, as you said, through like driver services That's facilities it, right. and whatnot. So is there is there something you think you're planning to do day one where you can make things a little bit easier, maybe in the places where there's long lines? Absolutely, absolutely. One of the things that you hear about um, across this state is, number one, accessibility to um, long lines. 
And so there's, there's a couple of things that I've talked about to um, address that. We need to, first of all, modernize that office. Um, right now, they're currently on the mainframe system. And I think modernizing that office and bringing new technology there to help streamline the processes of those thing, um, departments that I talked about will be critical. But in terms of that driver services, that's the simplest form. First and foremost, I have a dual degree in accounting and operations management. Spent 10 years in the private sector as an accountant. They need a fiscal manager there making sure that we keep those fees low. That's what people want. We have some of the highest fees in the country for renewing our stickers. But also, I'm the only one in this race to talk about using our libraries as satellite offices, more like community connectors, not only as from the driver services side, but getting more engaged and making sure our communities are utilizing our libraries, whether we're providing more broadband access or whether we're providing different activities for youth through VR technology. Uh, allowing them to use those libraries. But the main thing for me is to make sure I use those um, libraries as satellite offices where you can do your quick renewal, your quick registration, and your quick titling. That's three times you wouldn't have to go to a, a larger facility and stand in line, putting it closer to your house. But also using technology I talked about. I'm the first one in this race to talk about digital license plates as an option. Right now, California, Arizona, and Michigan are using digital license plates. And so if you get those plates, which is a $250 cost savings over a five-year period, you can do your titling, your registration, and your renewal. That's three times. You don't even have to go inside the office that you can do it from the digital license plate platform. It also serves as a revenue generator. Uh, for, you can do advertising on those plates, but also and it gives you an opportunity to capture uninsured motorists quicker. And so we can get those uninsured motorists and compliance, get that revenue in. That's why we can keep the fees um, down low. And so those, those are some of the um, things that I want to do from the driver services side. Now you heard Moore mention the fees associated with registration renewals, titles, and the like, so I wanted to provide a little background as to how those fees are distributed. I reached out to the Secretary of State's office, who told me about $2.7 billion was collected in vehicle-related fees in the previous fiscal year, and about $1.675 billion of that went to the road fund, $544 million to the state construction account fund, and $312 million to the capital projects fund. All of those are related to transportation construction, while the remainder went to the general revenue fund. Fees increased in 2019, providing a large portion of the funding for the state's Rebuild Illinois Capital Infrastructure Program, which included funding for roads, bridges, airports like the one where I met Moore, and other infrastructure projects. Okay, I, I'm going to get back to the digital license plate, but you mentioned fees, and the fees were last raised by the General Assembly yes. as part of their capital plan, and obviously that's that's a function of the General Assembly rather than something the secretaries of state can do unilaterally, I believe. Uh, so what's the plan to work with the General Assembly to that? And then also some of that money goes to this airport here, the capital plan throughout the state is funding for airports, roads and bridges. How do you uh, make up for uh, what you're taking away in, if you lower fees? Okay, so we're talking about, um, we're talking about $2.1 billion coming through the Secretary of State's office. Of that $2.1 billion, about $1.2 billion goes towards road construction. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that money that where we talk about our airports, we had the, 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 the state finally passed the capital bill. The reason why you got those fees, because for over almost nine years uh, before um, 
Governor Prisker, the state had not passed a capital bill. And so we finally got a capital bill passed about, it's almost three years ago. Now you have an infrastructure bill that's coming down from the federal government to do those things that you're talking about. Taxpayers need relief. And so it's not just cutting them. What I, did I say? When it was in corporate America, you always got to find a ways to generate new revenue. And through those digital license plates, you generate new revenue that's not there that enables you to, to re at least try to either maintain those fees at their levels or reduce them. Moore pointed to states like Michigan, Arizona, and California having adopted digital license plates, so I did some research on the private company providing those plates. The company, known as Reviver, lists the cost at $19.99 to $24.99 monthly depending on whether it is battery operated or wired. Four-year subscriptions run from $215 to $275 per year, while wired plates cost about $150 on top for professional installation. Here's more on how Moore thinks those plates can be revenue-producing. Okay. Um, so the, on the digital license plate, it, to me it sounds like it's something expensive. You've gone into a, li a little bit there. How exactly do you get those to be revenue producing? Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, when you see the cost of just getting the platform, the cost of the platform on the upfront side seems high, correct, if you look at it. But then you, you, no one has to pay that fee right up front. You can pay it over a three-year period, four-year period. But what happens is because now you don't have to stand in line, you don't have to do all those things, the cost of doing that service is lower. So it's a it's like a, a $250 cost savings over a five-year period. Now, once you've gotten the digital play platform, like I said, you don't have to do that again. It's just renewing automatically from your um, platform once you have it. And so the revenue generation part comes through advertising. You, people can advertise. Um, uh, we can advertise on the place, whether it's Coca-Cola or anything like that. You can do digital advertising. We can get that revenue in. The other part uh, of it is that um, People right now buy what we call specialized plates. If you're a Cubs fan, if you're a Sox fan, and so people like they 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 prefer an AOK to pay that premium for that. Well, that's one plate you have. But if you Cubs, Bears fan, and you want to switch during each season, there's a market for that. That people are paying for that, and the digital license plates will check from the Sox season. You pay your premium. Then you want the Bears, you pay the premium. That way we can keep the, those fees down and we get that new revenue in. So an ad on the license plate looks like just one image of a Coca-Cola bottle to use them as a, or is it, do you picture this showing a video or a mini billboard or? Like almost, almost like a, a mini billboard and it, and it depends on what you get on, on there. So if, if, so, if so many people then decide to say, hey, I wouldn't mind um, having Coca-Cola advertised on my plate. So your license plate will still show. Okay, never, never, never change. But at the bottom, it scroll, scroll out sort of like an amber alert, and it'll be Coke is the real thing. Now, for every person that does that, we get the revenue from Coke, but also they get a discount for allowing Coke to do that. And it's just simply clicking a yes or no as an I'll accept advertising, or do they have to accept whichever company is? Uh, um, you, 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 I, I'll be honest. Um, I haven't dug that far yet in, in talking to the uh, person who does it, but they have to agree to it. And I think they have to agree to because most people like responsible corporations. And I think you have an option to have, okay, which corporation you want, depending on which corporation is into the program. You may not have a lot of corporations in the program. Mm -hmm. You may only have three, four, 
five corporations, but I think as we get it get it big, you're going to have more and more corporations in it, and then you you can uh, get a chance to select them. Okay, interesting proposal. Um, and you're looking at the fees associated with this program uh, taking over. I think it's 101 dollars now for a sticker. Maybe 151 dollars. Yeah. 151. One is the, one of the highest in this country. Yeah. So you're looking at replacing that uh, for the, or will there still be some level of uh, yearly uh, renewal for a digital sticker? Yeah, but but you, you and you whether we decide and that's when we get in get into the general assembly. Should should we have to do? Do we have to do it annually? Um, can it be over a two-year period? Um, we, we, we try some things in the city of Chicago right now, even with our city sticker, that we used to have to get it every year. Now people don't have to get it just every two years now. And so when you bring technology in, in, into the play for it, the critical thing is whether you do it one year, two years, it's the fact that that's another time you don't have to stand in line at the Secretary of State's office, and that's the great part about it. But it's also served as a safety mechanism mm -hmm. throughout um, this um, state, there's an epidemic of carjacking. And right now, um, uh, we're not catching um, carjackers. But what the digital license plates does, if somebody steal your car or get carjacked, you can get to a cell phone, put in a code, and guess what's going to read out on the digital plate? Stolen. And so now you can apprehend the person in the vehicle. Part of the problem right now is that they're not catching the people in the vehicle. And even if somebody identified someone, they like Did you, the judges are saying, are you that was that person in the vehicle? Well, it looks like him. He, you know, and, and these uh, offenders are getting um, away. And so, therefore, if there's a 90 to 95 percent chance of getting caught, guess what? It serves as a deterrent. So, I, I know for a fact it'll bring carjackings down. So, in order to just click a button and say the car is stolen, there must be some level of Wi Fi compatibility. Does it become a security risk uh, to outside hackers or whomever? Um, taking control of this system? Uh, no, no it, no, it doesn't, because you want to make sure that this is why when I talk about the Secretary of State modernizing right now, they're on the mainframe system, and then we get it to go into whether it's cloud computing, but you, you, you bring those subject matter experts in and talking to um, um, the founder of um, the company who's doing it for California, Arizona, um, and Michigan, um, you're making sure that you're using the technology that banks are using to protect that, that, the security there. And so it's, it's very minimal. But as I tell people, even the Pentagon has gotten broken into it. And what you have to do is just keep updating and, and, and more or less having people, as I've talked to people in the technology field, you have to have somebody always watching, not just on this end, but even for our data right now, as it is now without digital license plates, ensuring so that there's no uh, um, compromise to um, people's information. And is that uh, expense that you factored into uh, what you believe will create savings, or is the digital security an added expense beyond that? No, that's, that's what's come. That's with this infrastructure money that's coming now, now, which I come again, talk about again, these infrastructure dollars is to make sure we build, whether we're doing digital plates or not, we need to make sure that we build up the, um, the modernize the systems at the Secretary of State's office for their security protection, whether you have digital plates or not. And so that's going to be critical. And that's where you, when you talk about infrastructure dollars, when you talk about a capital um, budget, that's where those monies um, are coming from. And you're talking about the federal capital dollars that? Uh, that's coming down. That's right. And you want to use those directly uh, in the Secretary of State's office for those, or 
get approval through the General Assembly, or, or would that be something? Oh yeah, so that's part. That's part of. That's part of you working with the General Assembly because the General Assembly set the Secretary of State's budget, and so well, of course, the Secretary of State define how money that he wants to spend, but it's the General Assembly that approves that budget. And so one of the things that we, uh, we'll we have to make sure, and that's what I do as a cost accountant in corporate America, do an audit. How are, how, how are our money being spent, spent? What is this $1.2 billion really being spent on um, from the um, Secretary of State's office and how it's being allocated? And so we have to look at that as well. But I think with the infrastructure dollars coming down with, with more of us passing a capital bill at the um, state level, um, those are the monies that we got to make sure that the Secretary of State's office is getting that money, whether it's for driver services or for our libraries. That's a critical piece, too. Uh, rebuilding and, and, and reimagining how libraries are used. That's very critical, not just your standard here, come in inside the library and read a book, but no, using them as community connectors. And that's going to take some infrastructure dollars to do that. Okay. So we're talking a lot about the General Assembly. Do you have anyone you can count on as a day one ally in the General Assembly or endorsements you've received from uh, senators or reps? Yes, I, I mean, State Representative Mary Flowers, who's uh, been, uh, is probably the senior most person in the General Assembly, is an ally and has endorsed me. Um, but I have great relationships with uh, a, a lot of state senators. Um, Jahan Gordon Booth, who's a leader in the General um, um, Assembly, and, and, and many others. So uh, I was just with Senator Harmon um, the other day, and somebody I respect, somebody um, that I um, have, have supported, and somebody uh, who's been supportive of me. He hasn't endorsed me, but he's been supportive. Um, also, uh, um, the Speaker Welch, he's been very, again, supportive. They've stayed neutral in this race because they want to be able to work with who's ever um, getting elected. But I, as an alderman in the city of Chicago, I've worked with all of them already and have a great relationship with them. Okay, so do you have uh, any, I don't want to say criticisms, but any thoughts on things that uh, the Secretary of State White could have done better? Were there any shortcomings there? Yeah, I think I think what you talk what you talk about. I learned in corporate America, if it ain't broke, break it. Find out why it's not breaking and improve on it. In other words, everything can always can be improved upon, and so things can be enhanced. Um, giving people more options. I'm I'm not saying it's a criticism, but it's a thing of about vision. Um, Losing as a state librarian, the ability for us to use our libraries as con community connectors and create satellite offices just to do those quick things like renewal and registration and titling, those are, you put those closer to people's homes, they won't have to travel far to the facilities, therefore reducing um, um, wait time. And so I think that's something that I would enhance or, or bring to the Secretary of State's office um, that wasn't there. Um, I'll be more, more hands-on, like I am as an alderman in the city of Chicago serving 53,000 residents. I, I will do more town hall meetings throughout this the state, making sure people see me. Uh, the Jesse White tumblers are great. I, 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 uh, he's had them since he was a gym teacher. But I want people to see me as their Secretary of State and ask me questions and let me know the shortcomings uh, that they see so that we can improve on those things within the Secretary of State's office. And one of them things is customer service. Again, having that dual degree in accounting and operations management, my operations management side, quality control <laughs> was key for us. And, and, and I, I'm impressed with what Disney World does. One thing I'm going to definitely do is make sure that we have customer service training throughout 
um, every, uh, all 20 departments within the Secretary of State's office so that people, when they come to the Secretary of State's office, they're living there with a great experience. Okay, so are you willing to endorse uh, one of your Democratic opponents should they get the uh, nomination? Yeah, I'm willing to endorse them, but again, ethics and integrity is everything. We cannot be hypocritical in, this de in our Democratic Party when we talk about ethics and when people have ethical issues to overlook them. So I want to see what everything that comes out in the wash <laughs> and making sure that we have someone that's ethical in that seat. That's the primary thing. We have, this is a, this is a nonpartisan, customer-driven seat. This is not a policy, quote-unquote policy-making seat. This seat is about serving people, and you have to do that with integrity and character. And if there are some things that come out or continue to come out, should I say, because things have already come out. If things continue to come out about our, uh, our the two opponents, then I, I have to make that decision at that time because my primary interest is making sure that the residents of Illinois are properly served. So last couple of things I read up on your policies, there, there was some level of outreach sending 18-year-olds birthday oh. cards, and that we want to go into a little oh, bit. I, that, that's what I'm excited about right now. Um, at 16, um, our young people can get a, a driver's license, but they cannot register to vote. I was just speaking to a young man as we were flying around the state. We were just in um, um, Moline, and um, the young man, um, I was asking him, did, will he vote for me? He said, I'm not registered yet. I said, how old are you? He said, 20. He said, I'll eventually get around to it. I was like, wow. Our young people have so much power. So on that 18th birthday, they're going to get a birthday card from me, email saying, happy birthday. You are automatically registered to vote, giving them an opt-out option instead of an opt-in option and doing automatic voter registration for our young people um, to get them involved in the system. I think when they do that and they see that on that 18th birthday, they're going to take pride and they're going to take ownership. It's just that it's not on their mind. They're, they, they're doing other things, but we have to put it on their mind. And I think this is a way to do that to empower our young people because they're going to be they're going to be the ones to change a lot of what's going on in this country. And there was so automatic voter registration exists in that when you I think it's if, when you register for your license. When you when you when you get your license right now, they ask you, they actually ask you, do you want to you know register voting? We could do automatic voter registration. What I'm saying is that the, because we have that person's information already, we could do, and, and, it's, and they're doing it in some other states already, you can automatically just register someone and give them, but yet also give them an opt-out option. So if they, there are some people who have, relig, for religion reasons, do not vote. And so automatically register them. When you send them that card, they can send it back, opting out to vote. If you receive the card, does it mean you are registered? Oh, you are registered. Okay, and this yeah. applies regardless of whether you're applying for a license. This, if if you are, if you have an ID, anything that we have from the standpoint of having a record of your information of coming into the Secretary of State's office, okay. and when you turn 18 and we have that information, you're going to automatically get a birthday card for us, saying you're automatically registered to vote. And were there other youth engagement type initiatives that 
you're considering at this time? Absolutely. I'm, the first one is racing, and I, and I knew it was a good idea when my opponent started using it. Even the second one about the the first one I just talked about. Uh, you go look when we all first announced. You go look what we talked about, and now suddenly my opponent started using. So I know it's a good thing. And one of the things I talked about, we have 122 driving facilities throughout the state, and I want to create 122 um, youth engagement offices giving um, all year round internships to our young people uh, using public private part through a public private partnership so that we can they can get more engaged civic responsibility learning more about their government but also professional responsibility I got a young man right here that's 30 years old that's flying me around today and and you know what his job is he said I am a corporate pilot I said a corporate he said yeah I work for a corporation and I, and I fire executives around of the corporation. I didn't even know, so here I am, do a degree in accounting operations management, a master's degree. I didn't even think about such a job existed. If you get a pilot, yeah, you go work for United Airlines, you may go fly for the Air Force, but it never dawned on me that you could just fly for a corporation. And, and so introducing our young people to those different things and getting them um, involved. And when I say that, the reason why I say public-private partnership, right now in the city of Chicago, what we do, we hook up with corporations. They provide the funding through their, um, uh, whether it's through their philanthropy program or any of the program that they have. And, they, and, and we use that money to put students in corporations or work in government, and they pay for it. That way you don't have to put money on the backs of the taxpayers. And that uh, this is a plan. And it's called One Summer Chicago. Okay. In Chicago, but it 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 it'll be our um, um, and our youth engagement program at the Secretary of State of Illinois. So One Summer Chicago is something. It, that's it, that we do in Chicago. Okay. Right now, but this would be this this won't be One Summer Chicago. This would be all okay. year round internships for our youth and young adults. That was Chicago Alderman David Moore, not to be confused with another Secretary of State candidate who will appear on the Democratic ballot, Homewood resident Sidney Moore. Sidney Moore has not built a campaign or fundraising apparatus and has not been very present on the campaign trail this year. So that's it for our latest episode of Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. As always, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more coverage of candidates for Secretary of State in the coming days.